the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If Jesus were here today, he'd say, people, open up your eyes. Stop looking at your cell phones all day. Stop complaining about the traffic on the 405. Why are you spending all your money over there at Starbucks? Open up your eyes, he would say. Look at the harvest. It's ripe. Good evening. I'm Kyle Welch, welcoming you to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. It is our mission to lift up the name of Jesus Christ so that the entire world might believe. It's why we are here every night, Monday through Friday on KKLA, to reach this city for Jesus Christ. We are glad you are joining us tonight. Dudley Rutherford is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church right here in Los Angeles, and we join him right now as he brings us tonight's message from the Word of God. What matters most to God is reaching lost people. All you need to do is open up your Bible to Luke chapter 15. This chapter, Jesus is going to illustrate. Everybody say the word illustrate. He illustrates clearly and precisely what matters most to God. I want you to look at verse 1. It says that the tax collectors, and I don't know who really likes tax collectors, but the tax collectors and the quote, unquote, what's it say? The sinners were all gathered around Jesus to hear him. Picture that. Jesus is the sinner magnet. You've heard of a chick magnet? Jesus was a sinner magnet. He walked into a room, and the sinners just gathered around because they wanted to hear what he had to say. Then you come to verse 2. But, while that's going on, verse 1, all these sinners gathered around Jesus, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those were the religious leaders of Israel, they began to mutter, this man He welcomes sinners, and not only does he welcome sinners, he does what? He eats with them. You see, the religious leaders were too good. They were too high. They were too mighty. They were too proud. They were too holy to be around lowly people. They were too holy to be around unholy people. Oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus spent time with sinners. I'm so glad that Jesus spent time with the lowly because if Jesus hadn't cared for sinners, then you and I would be lost here today. So you have Jesus surrounded by sinners and over in this corner a group of long-standing religious leaders who think that they have figured out what matters most to God. They think that what matters most to God is formality. They think what matters most to God 
is tradition. They think that what matters most to God are man-made rules. They think that what matters to God are long robes. They think that what matters to God are long prayers. They think they are what matters most to God. Jesus is over here talking with the outcast of society, and these guys are murmuring and muttering. Look at that rabbi over there. He calls himself a man of God. If he were a man of God, he wouldn't be hanging out with that, those guys diminishing the name of God, while if he was a rabbi, he'd be over here hanging out with us. And Jesus sees this, and he's filled with angst. And so in verse 3, the Bible says he tells a story, a parable. But you need to note, he doesn't tell just one, he doesn't tell two, he tells three. It's as though you bunch of knuckleheads, it takes so much to get through your thick skulls about what matters most to God. I got to tell you not one story, not two, I'm going to give you three stories. Back to back to back, Jack. (laughs) I will show you who really matters to God. And so you have these stories. There's three of them. Everybody say three. Three. They have a bunch of things in common. Number one, write this down quickly. Every story, there's a hero. Jesus was a good storyteller. Just like today, most good movies tell a story of an unlikely hero. Jesus has three heroes. In one story, the hero is a shepherd. In one story, the hero is a woman. And in one story, the hero is a father. I want to make this point. In each story, the hero is not someone that would have been admired by most religious leaders. Hear me out on this. A shepherd was a second-class citizen. Those Pharisees would have looked down their long noses at those shepherds. The woman, unlikely hero, ladies, don't be mad at me because times have changed. But back in those days, you were a third-class citizen. You were beneath the shepherd in those Pharisees' minds. And the father, he's, he's potentially most admirable until he does the unthinkable because in the story, which we'll read in a little bit, uh, Jesus tells a story where the father ran and you can't run in a robe. The only way you can run in a robe is if you pick up the robe and if you picked up the robe, you would show your ankles and to religious leaders, showing your ankles uh, would have been... Uh, Uh, unthinkable. Uh, And so all three of these are unlikely heroes. Now, in all three stories, write this down, number two, something is lost. One story, the sheep is lost. One story, the coin is lost. And in one story, the son is lost. So you you have three heroes, you have three things that are lost. Now write this down, all three things that are lost are valuable. They're very, very important. That sheep that goes astray is valuable. That coin that was lost is valuable. The son that has gone down the wrong path is valuable. Now in this story, these three stories, here's the good news. All three of these things that are lost, all three of these things that are valuable, they're all found. Write that down. They're all found. That lost sheep is found. Everybody say amen. Amen. That lost coin is found. Everybody say hallelujah. And that lost son is found. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Lord. Let's read the stories. Let's read the three stories. We're going to read all three of them. Verse 4. This is the story of the shepherd who lost the sheep, the valuable sheep. Verse 4. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses. How many? 
Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. How many lose? He didn't lose two. He didn't lose three. He didn't lose four. He didn't lose five. He didn't lose half. He lost one. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there is more rejoice. And oh, he's looking over at the religious leaders when he says this. See, he's over here with the sinners. He's telling them the story, but he's, he's looking at those guys. I tell you that in the same way there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Then he tells the story of the lost coin, suppose, verse 8, a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses just one, just one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over just one sinner who repents. And then the third story, there's a father who's got two sons. One son is a good boy. He stays at home. But the other son, he takes his inheritance. And the Bible says that he leaves and he goes down a path of riotous living. He parties his life and his inheritance away. And one day the boy wakes up and he's in a pig pen eating Uh, the slop that the pigs don't eat. That's all he's got left. And look what the Bible says in verse 17. When that boy came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving half to death. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my dad and say, dad, I have sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So the boy got up and went to his father and this is one of the most dramatic scenes in the entire Bible but while he was still a long way off his father saw him he was filled with compassion for him the Bible says that the dad ran to his son he threw his arms around him and kissed him and the son said to him dad I I have sinned against heaven I've sinned against you I'm I'm no longer worthy to be called your son verse 22 but the father said ah none of that he said to his servants quick 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 bring the best robe and put it on him Put a ring on his finger and his sandals on his feet. Uh, Bring the fatted calf. We're going to have a a barbecue here. Let's have a feast and celebrate. Why? Verse 24, for this son of mine was dead and now he's alive again. He was lost and is found. And so the Bible says that they began to celebrate. Oh, that's a good story right there. several things that these stories have uh, that Jesus is trying to say. Now, here's the first and most important point. Write this down. Jesus is looking at these religious leaders, and he's telling them, because he's sitting with sinners and they are not, he wants them to know that lost people are what matter most to God. Lost people are what matter most to God. For a shepherd to leave the 99, he had 99. I mean, he's going to have 104 in the morning, Right? Two or three are going to be born that night. And why would I leave the 99 to go out and look for just one? You and I would say, I got 99. I'm going to have three or four more in the morning because uh, the herd, herd continues to grow. I, I, why, why the flock going to grow? Why, why, why go after one? I'm tired. It's late. I don't want to go do that. I'll just let that guy. And besides, that guy's always, he's always lost. He's always, I'll just let him go. No, the Bible says he leaves the 99 and he goes and he searches for that one lost sheep. 
because that one lost sheep was what? It mattered to him. And the woman who's got the ten coins, she lost one, she's still got nine. The one is probably somewhere in the house, but she has to find that one. Why? Just the one, because the one mattered to her. And the father with the two sons, he had one at home, and you think, well, that's enough. No, the one that was lost mattered to him. And here's the lesson, the reason Jesus is over here spending time and eating with lost people is because they matter. And the religious leaders, they're over here, they're thinking that they are what matters most to God. Now, this is not in the text, but Jesus is saying, you idiots, don't you know that this is what's on the heart of God? This is why he sent me, is to reach lost people because lost people matter to God. Jesus sets the record straight in Mark chapter 8, verse 36, when he says, What good is it for a man if a man gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Jesus is saying that the value of one person is worth more than the entire world put together to the degree that God was willing to send his only son to die on a cross so that the world might be saved. For God so loved the what? The world. And you could put, instead of love, you could put the word value. For God so valued the world. The world so mattered. People so mattered to God that he was willing to give up his one and only son. And you've heard this phrase, that Jesus died for the whole world. Yes, we know that. But did you know that if you were the only person living on the planet Earth, you're the, you're, you're the only one, you're the only one here on the whole planet, God still would have sent his son to die for you. Why? Because you matter to God. If you're a widow or an orphan, you matter to God. If you're a citizen or an illegal alien, you matter to God. If you're black or white, you matter to God. If you're sitting here in freedom or you're sitting in a federal prison, you matter to God. If you're young or old, you matter to God. If you're a UCLA fan or a U.S. No, no, that's not right. That can't be right. Who, who put that in those? No, that can't be right. You matter to God. Amen? You matter to God. Now, here's the second point. Don't, don't lose this point. If something is lost and it's valuable, we should be putting forth our best effort in finding that which is lost. That shepherd, when he left the 99, the Bible says that he went out into the open country. That's like the open countryside. That means he went out into danger land. He, he went up hills and down valleys and crossed streams and climbed rocks in the middle of the night. It, it required incredible effort. He was tired from being out there all day the day before and probably hadn't much sleep and now he's out there all night long and he's searching for that which is lost. It requires effort. Effort. The woman, she's, she has to light a lamp. The Bible says that she swept the entire house. She searched carefully. It, it required effort and that father, oh, day after day, uh, he, his eyes scan the horizon and, and I imagine the amount of time that father must have spent praying down on his knees worrying about his son and, and wondering what he ought to be doing and waiting for his son listen 
if you are a true follower of Jesus Christ, you should spend your effort, your energies. You shouldn't be able to sleep at night. I, 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 mean, I mean, all your energies should be spent trying to find those who do not know Jesus and to get them saved. Jesus said these words in John 4, 35. He said, I tell you, open up your eyes. Can't you just hear them? Open up your eyes. Look at the fields. They are ripe for what? Can you imagine if Jesus said that about several thousands of people that lived in Israel, what he would say if he lived here in the San Fernando Valley in the city of Los Angeles and saw millions? Of, you think he'd say that? You think he'd say that? He would. I think he'd change it up a little bit, but it'd be the same message. If Jesus were here today, he'd say, people, open up your eyes. Stop looking at your cell phones all day. Stop complaining about the traffic on the 405. Why are you spending all your money over there at Starbucks? Open up your eyes, he would say. Look at the harvest. It's ripe. <laughs> Write this down. The third point is persistency. You've got to be persistent. It's one thing to, to put a little effort into it, but to be consistent, to, to stick with it, and to not, to not give up. That shepherd, he wasn't going to give up. Don't you see that? When he went out that night to find that sheep, he was not going to give up. He was not going to be stopped. He was not going to be denied. That woman was going to look for that coin. She was not going to give up. That father, I know this, that father never one for one moment ever gave up hope that his son would return. And you and I should never give up hope for the lost people to be saved. Some of you have people in your family, well, that guy will never be saved. That is such a wrong attitude on your behalf. Luke chapter 19, 10, Jesus said these words, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That word seek in the Greek means to strive. If you're striving for something, you know there's going to be hurdles. You know you're going to want to give up. Jesus never gave up. The Bible says that he endured the cross there are many times where Jesus could have said, you know what, it's just not worth it. I've, I've suffered enough. I, I think I'm going I'm to do another path. But no, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. If Jesus hadn't been persistent in this quest to provide salvation, you and I would not be saved here today. Write this down in your little box there. That man, that shepherd, he looked for that sheep until he found it. That woman looked for that coin until. That's very specific in those verses, verse 4 and 8 until he found it, until she found it. Understanding that the value of lost people, they are what matters to God, requires effort and energy and persistence to never, ever give up. I've showed this picture. This is a, uh, this church, Shepherd, started in this railroad car over a hundred years ago. None of you were here. But some people pulled this railroad card. It's called Emmanuel. I have the model. This is the model I have in my office. I, ha I look at my Oklahoma helmet, and I look at the, the railroad car. Because I don't ever want to forget that over 100 years ago, there were some people who came to the valley and said, we will do whatever it takes just to help lost people find Jesus Christ. And I know they had some tough days, but they stayed with it. One day they built a building over there in, in Van Nuys. And uh, then they came out here and they built this building. Why, why would they build this building? Why, would, why was this building built? Because lost people matter to God. 
well, didn't this require a lot of work? A lot of people quit. A lot of people gave up. You have no idea the heartache in just building this building. All kinds of people left because it was too difficult or cost too much money. And yet I praise God for those who stayed with it and were persistent. And then years ago, we merged a couple churches together and we built the Family Life Center. Now we're building that brand new worship facility. Why are we, why are we building that building? For the same reason. We will never give up trying to reach some two million people for Jesus Christ. We're never going to give up. Never going to give up. And as we close, here's the last point in this, these three stories. You have to see this. In all three stories, Jesus made it very clear that they took time to celebrate. That shepherd in verse 6 called all his friends and neighbors and said, Rejoice with me, I've found my lost sheep. The woman in verse 9 She called all her friends and her neighbors and said, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. That father, in verse 23 and 24, bring the fatted calf. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was lost, and now he's found, and so they began to celebrate. All of it is seen in verse 7. I want you to look at verse 7. Jesus looked over at those legalistic Pharisees told these three stories back to back to back. And he said, I tell you that in the same way, you see me over here eating with these sinners, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over just one sinner who repents than those 99 people who do not need to repent. Jesus is saying, if I'm going to spend time, I got my choice. Would I rather be hanging out with the Pharisees or would I rather be sitting here with someone who really matters to God? Because one day, if one of these people come to Christ, all of heaven will do what? Celebrate. You know, if, if the Dodgers won the World Series, this whole, this whole city will be going. You know, last night, the Rose Bowl, there were 100,000 people in the Rose Bowl last night. Some of you don't even know about it. Mexico was playing USA in soccer. 100,000 people cheering for a little ball to go through a little net. <laughs> you know, we'll have, we'll, you know, and I hear this music. I know it's time for the invitation. Someone might come and get saved today, and I will tell you this. Uh, you know, in, in every service so far, someone's come, and when someone steps out, see, they hear that music, hear that music, I think all of heaven just stops. They're going, oh, this is it. We've been waiting all week. We've been been working all week. Just hoping and praying that someone comes out. And if one person comes out, man, there's a celebration of all celebrations. I tell you, when one person comes, it's more important than any sporting event or concert or birthday party that you go to and clap for somebody. Because eternity is in the balance. Amen. We know that many are living in fear with the current events that are happening in our world. But God's Word is here to comfort us in these days of uncertainty. In John 14, 27, Jesus told His disciples, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. If you are in need of prayer tonight, we have operators standing by and ready for your call. We are here for you and ready to support you with any prayer needs you may have. Call us right now at our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 
1-800-273-4777. Please know that we are here for you. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. You will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith, how to extend Jesus' love to others, and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at this same time here on KKLA as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.